Well, we're privileged to have with us a guest speaker again this week. Uh, uh, pastor Duke Herget uh, was a blessing to us last week. He is the pastor emeritus of the church at Newtown Road in Half Moon, New York. And if you don't know where Half Moon is, Half Moon's a little ways north of Albany. And uh, so, Pastor Duke, come on up and speak to us uh, what the Lord has for us to hear today. Thank you. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro upon the earth. And he tells us why. That he might show himself mighty on behalf of those who trust him. That's what we're going to talk about this morning, about learning to trust him. Uh, last time I checked, his record is like perfect. And I don't think he's going to blow it on you or I. He's trustworthy. It's my joy to be with you for a couple services. We intended three, called a trilogy of um, um, not just discipleship, but what's the word I'm looking for? Stewardship. <laughs> Can you remember the theme, man? Killed a lot of brain cells in 69. It was a rough year. You just work with what you got left, amen? Um, last week, we tried to lay a foundation, get the big picture. As we just worshiped, one day, we're going to be standing among people from every nation, kindred, and tribe in the throne room with all of the redeemed forever singing, worthy is the lamb who was slain. And at that time, we look around, and the only thing that's really going to be important at that time is who's there or not there. Perhaps God will wipe away all tears and we won't even realize who's not there, but that's his problem, not ours. But if it's not going to matter then, really should it matter now? And we, we learned last week that the big picture, Dr. Henderson said, I don't so much fear failure as I fear being successful at everything that won't count in the end. When my children walk by and grandchildren walk by my casket one day, what's going to be important then? You know, it's not going to be how big, how much, how many. It's going to be quality time and interaction of soul and spirit and truth and laughter and hugs and kisses and tears together. And so we have King Jesus. They killed him, but on the third day he sort of arose, kind of blew a little bit of fresh air into the sails of the apostles, would you say not? While he was in the tomb, they were hiding for fear. Perhaps we're next. They killed him. They killed him. They'll kill us. In the morning of the resurrection, they weren't scared anymore. And he ministered to them. Then he ascended. And, and the last thing he said before he ascended into the Most High to sit at the right hand of the Father, um, all power is given to me in heaven where I'm going and in earth where you're at. That catches my attention. And he said, go ye therefore, because of this power situation, go ye therefore and teach all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. It's the last thing he said. I guarantee it's going to be the first thing he brings up on the other side. We learn this. God's power is attached to his purpose. When we've been there 10,000 years, if it's not going to be important then, really should it be all that important now? What is going to be important in the end should be sort of our focus now. I take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. God's Holy Spirit is bragging on the church or the churches of Galatia or of Macedonia. This would include the church at Galatia, uh, at Philippi. In particular, I think he's bragging on the church at Philippi. And um, these are not rich churches. The church he's writing to, the Corinthian church, sort of is rich. These other churches are kind of from the wrong side of the tracks economically, and he's going to brag on these churches. And I want to read just a few verses and pull out a couple of main thoughts for this morning. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, which is a topic of stewardship. What are we going to do with the 24 hours a day God gives us? What are we going to do with the, the financial resources God gives us? What are we going to do with the talents, abilities, cognitive abilities, performing arts abilities? What are we going to do with these things that God has given us? We're not responsible for what we do not have, but watch this. Moreover, brethren, chapter 8, verse 1, 2 Corinthians 8, 1. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. God's holy spotlight comes upon these churches of Macedonia, the poor churches. These are churches that the Apostle Paul founded in his missionary journeys. That in a great trial of affliction, it wasn't an easy way before this people. God doesn't put his easiest way before his people. The greatest people of the, of the scriptures, none of them had an easy way. That's one of the things that's so wrong with the health and wealth and prosperity so-called gospel that's so popular today. Uh, they had a great uh, trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy. You see, not having so much didn't really affect their joy. Paul said to the Philippians, he said, I, I've, I've, I've known to, uh, to have everything. I know how to be abound. I know how to be abased. He said, I've learned it really doesn't matter. If I'm at the top economically or at the bottom, he says, I found that no matter where I am, I can be content. Because God may put you on the top for a while. You might not stay there forever. He may put you on the bottom for a while. He's sovereign. He can do what he wants. That in great trial of affliction, verse 2, in abundance of their joy, their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Something supernaturally began to happen uh, among this church and among these peoples. Verse 3 for I bear witness that according to their ability, that's our natural abilities that we can see, our income, our paycheck, our bank account, our calendars, our, our watches, uh, according to their ability. Yes, and beyond their ability. If I was giving a title to my message today, that would be it. Let God go ahead and give the title. Beyond their ability. That's how I want to live, man. I want to be where the God stuff is happening. I want things to happen in my life, in my bank account, 
in my relationships with people, in the projects I get involved with. I want things to happen that blow my mind. I want things to happen that others would watch and say, that ain't the Duke Meister. That is clearly the hand of God. I've tasted and seen that God is good and that he's big and he's good and he loves me. And you quickly get addicted to that and the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's what happened to this church. They were uh, not a big church, they were not a rich church and yet supernatural things happened as they went beyond their ability. It's an amazing thing sometimes when I'm preaching and God says he shows the foolishness of preaching, you know. It's really kind of silly. And this morning, there was a first-time visitor I connected with, Melissa, sitting back here. We connected, and she found out I was visiting, and she's visiting. And, and, and during the service, I looked out, and tears were streaming down her face. She came, ran over. We became friends instantly on Facebook, got pictures and posted them. And, and God touched her. Boy, the things of earth are just... Amen. God will visit his people. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro upon the earth. And he sees Melissa. He sees you, me. He knows our downsettings and uprisings. He knows our thoughts afar off. He knows there dwelt no good thing in us save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He knows that without him we're losers. But there he sees our hearts reaching out to him, confessing our nothingness, Proclaiming his glory as we worship in our hearts. And he sees it. Mm. The scripture is going to tell us kind of how this happened. It's going to tell us how they went beyond themselves. We continue the reading. Uh, yes, beyond their ability, they, freely, they were freely willing it wasn't because of their ability, because of their intellect, because of their opportunity, because of all the research. No, 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 I had nothing to do with it. It had to do with a willing heart. My old hippie friend Roach, if God ever talks to you, man, listen to him. Don't ever underestimate the power of listening to him. All this great God stuff that's ready to unfold is because they're listening and they have a willing heart. Watch this. Verse 5, or verse 4, imploring us with much urgency. It gets exciting. It gets intense. As God begins to move among us, all of a sudden that eternal purpose begins to burn in our heart. Uh, John the Baptist says, bright and shining light and burning fire, uh, imploring us uh, with much urgency. I must needs go through Samaria. Jesus said there's an intensity. You know, there's life and death, eternity at stake. Heaven is real and hell is hot. There's an urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministry to the saints. And not only as we had hoped for, but they first, here we go, they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us. Where are you heading with this, preacher? Right here. I'm imploring you today. And I know many of you have. And you're like, yes, you remember when you made that surrender? Yes, and you remember the in blessings that ensued? Yes, and the trials that come, you gotta trust him, and he's there, he's faithful. But imploring you today, if you haven't, first, give yourself to the Lord. And at his feet, 
in our daily worship, stuff happens that's unexplainable. I can be carrying the weight of the world upon my shoulders. I get in his presence, the weight's gone. It's his problem, not mine. I can be really troubled by people that have offended me and done me wrong and slurred my name and it's not right, it's wrong and God, what's up and why would you let this happen to me? And I get at his feet and the nastiest thing I can think to say about anybody in the presence of Jesus is, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And all that burden is lifted. First, we give ourselves to him. Willingly. Trusting him in the eyes of the Lord go to and fro upon the earth to show himself mighty. The last thing Jesus said, carry this gospel to the ends of the earth. I remember, and it starts out small, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little there. God gets a willing heart that gives himself to the Lord. I'm an 18-year-old boy, just came out of the drug culture, you know, just came off the streets selling drugs uh, and, and fighting uh, addictions and, and the lust of the flesh, the lust of the lies, the pride of life and, and alcohol and drugs and pornography and all the filth of the world. All, and I come to Jesus and he begins to do a work in my heart. And I begin to see that the offerings of the church, when we went to a little Protestant church, we give a dollar a week, maybe two. And at this church that was running like 400 people and the offerings were like, you know, $6,000 a week. This is years ago. And I'm like, a lot of people give more than a dollar here, you know? And, I be, and, and the girl who brought me to Christ introduced me to tithing, 10% of my income. That was easy for me. I was used to getting my little paycheck for my little part-time job at the restaurant. First things I always did, a carton of cigarettes, a bottle of Jack Daniels, a bag of dope. First things, number one. And then I would live with what was, rest, what was left. Well, Jesus took all that away. I got all this extra money, so I began to tithe immediately. I've never met somebody who tithed for a year that didn't ever want to, they just, once you start, you can't stop. You begin to see the supernatural happen. How can I do it? I can't afford it. I can't even afford it. Oh, and then they do it by faith and it happens. And they, oh, I can't believe You begin to see the supernatural happen. And then we had a missionary. It got saved in June, started tithing immediately. And it was uh, three bucks a week. And then the missionary conference came around in October. And I really got excited about, Jesus said, take the gospel. I can't go. Well, I can send. I give. So I started giving $2 a week to missions by faith. We're going to come back to that in a minute. You see, uh, my family was breaking up. Uh, my, my parents were being divorced. It was domestic violence. I had to fight my dad to keep him from beating up my mom. That was ugly. Things were really a mess in our home. My brother's on drugs. My sister's on drugs. People getting busted in, in, at home. And, and, uh, and, and mom and dad split up. And dad moved out. Mom needed a little help around the house. I didn't have any money. But I gave. I tithed and I gave to missions. I didn't have any money for clothes. I didn't have any money for shoes. I was working at a rehabilitation center. And there was a guy that got out of the Ohio State Reformatory where Shawshank, Reject, Re, Shawshank Redemption, that movie was filmed at this prison. And it was only minutes from my house. And this, they used to let this guy out. His name was Bob. They let him out in the day. He was a druggie. He wasn't dangerous. He didn't hurt anybody. He just messed up on drugs. They let him out to work for free as a volunteer. And he could see my, at lunch, I had my foot up on the chair and he could see the bottom of my feet. And I had the you know, hole in the shoe and the cardboard. How many remember cardboard in your shoes? Amen. Amen. And he saw that. And here's this, here's this druggie getting out of prison. And I didn't have any money to get new shoes. I came in one day to work. And in my little work cubicle was a, a box, a big shoe box. I opened it up. It was a brand new pair of prison boots. If you were to buy them in that day, it would have been 100 bucks back then. It'd be probably 200 today. Very good shoes. I, I wore them for like 12 years. See, what was happening is this. God's talking to me, man. I'm listening to him. 
I'm learning to trust him. He will show himself mighty on behalf of those who trust him. And I trusted him with my tithe and my offering to missions. And I didn't have any money left over. But I trusted him. And he gave me a brand new pair of shoes. It cost 30 packs of cigarettes. <laughs> Is that cool or what? That was huge to me. That happened 44 years ago. And it's just like it happened this morning. You know why? Because it was King Jesus showing himself mighty to me. He said, hey, kid, love you, man. You can trust me. And he starts, you start out little, trusting him for little things. Um, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little there. God called uh, uh, a, uh, uh, Elijah the prophet, and he preached against uh, the wickedness of King Ahab of Israel, and fam- uh, uh, drought is coming, famine is coming for three years, and Ahab hated his guts, and he had to hide for his life, and God took him by the brook Cherith, where the ravens fed him, all by himself. What was God doing? Supernaturally providing for him alone. Learning to trust them. Learning to trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than trust and obey. And the brook's right up. Oh, no, I'm serving you, God. You take care of me. But the brook's right up. What do I do now? God said, go to the, uh, uh, hook yourself up with the uh, widow at Zarephath. And they're out of food. It's been famine. She's down to her last uh, bowl of meal to make a loaf of bread to serve her. And her. She's a widow and got a little boy. They're going to die. And the prophet says, feed me first and God will take care of you. Okay, she trusted God. He fed, she gave the loaf to the prophet. She went back, he says, go to your, go to your uh, thing of flowers. She said, it's all gone. He says, check it out again. It was full again and again and again. And it started out all by himself, like David out on the backside of the desert with a bear in the line, nobody around, but God was with him. And then it began to spread the widow at Zarephath and her little boy, they begin to experience God through his faith. And then in time, it went public with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel and the nation saw the supernatural hand of God. What's God doing in your life? He is sanctifying you. He's setting you apart. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, your soul, and spirit, which are the Lord's. He's pulling us aside. He's given us opportunity to, to invest our time every day. Are we in his word? I read through the Bible every 60 days. It's amazing. It's not hard to do. I've been doing it for years. Every 60 days. You can read through the scriptures. It takes about a half hour a day. If, if God touches you, I'll talk to you about it afterwards. It's, it's not hard to do. And Joe Burris read through the Bible every month. I can't do that, but I can do it every 60 days. Our time, our talents, our money, our gifts. Starts out small, alone. Two bucks, three dollar tie, two dollars the missions, new pair of shoes. Matter of fact, I never bought a pair of shoes for 30 years. I trusted God for my work boots. And God said, you know, I got you covered here, son. I'll give you, I'll take care of your shoes forever. Then after 30 years of God taking care of my shoes, I got backslidden and bought a pair of sneakers. And God said, I'm done with you. You're on your own. <laughs> I had to buy my own shoes. Except these boots, cowboy boots. Went to Texas and preached. They bought me a cowboy hat and some boots. So maybe God's back on providing my shoes again. I don't know. This is not small potatoes. This is God working in our lives. Trusting him for everything.
and it grows. It starts out small. I was in church last uh, spring. We had missions month at our church. Pastor Matt was preaching. He said, since the year 2000, you know, what our church has given to missions. And I pulled out my phone and my wife said, wait a minute, you're in church. Don't pull, put your phone away. But I didn't listen to her. She gave me the evil, put your phone away. And I clicked on utilities and then I clicked on calculator. And she was like, looking at me. And then I wrote how much money we just gave to missions on top of our tithe. And I showed it to her. And I think she began to make the connection. And I wrote times 52 equals. And she saw that number. That's what we gave to missions last year. But Pastor Matt was talking to the year, from the year 2000, so I wrote times 16 equals. And I showed her that number. And she stopped giving me the evil eye. She understood what I did. She looked at it again, tears streamed down her face. This number is 3.7 times more than we paid for our first house. I had been challenged to give to missions and to sacrifice a little bit. An old preacher friend of mine, J.C. Worsham, like a 1960-something graduate from BBC, had started a little church. The church ran about 60, I think, and he, he was bivocational. And he's a very humble man. He's yet living. He's in his mid-80s, and he loves the Lord. And I love Brother Worsham. He said... He kind of told me the commitment that he and his wife had made to world missions on top of their tithe. And it was like triple what I was getting. His church ran 60, my church ran 600. He was bivocational, I was full time. I told my wife about it and she got touched. She said, she got stir in your heart to, to take this seriously, aren't you? I said, yeah. So we prayed about it. And it came time where we were going to make our faith promise. And I wrote this number down. She looked at it and she said, amen. Whoa. And we have experienced God at the personal level. But it grows. First it was alone by the brook. Then it was with others. Had an eight-year-old daughter named Leah. Leah was saving for a bike. Three times a week, she'd dump out her money and count it. Stack of quarters, nickels, dimes, pennies. You know, $8.11, $14.67, $28. It was Sunday morning. She had her money out. I'm like, Leah, put your money back. We've got to go to church. She said, Dad, that's why I have it out. She said, let's face it. It's going to take me forever to save for a bike. You know that. I know. She said, let's get real. She said, Dad, if you had 1,000 bikes, wouldn't you give me one of them? Yeah. Well, she says, um, doesn't God love you more than, than you love me? Yeah, I think theologically she's right. <laughs> uh, doesn't God own a million bikes, like every bike in the whole wide world? Yeah, I, I, I think I taught you that he does. The earth is Lord's fullness thereof. She said, well, if God has a million bikes and he loves me more than you do, I'm just going to give him all my money and let him give me a bike, because that'll be a lot quicker. <laughs> but, uh, Okay, but don't hold your breath because, you know, I, I'm full of doubt, of course. So she dumps her, her offering in about six little offering envelopes that we had, and they were all full of coins. Sat on the front row. Never sits on the front row. Sat on the front row this day. Offering comes by. Kerplunk! Heaviest offering in the history of our church. She's beaming. Man, why didn't I think of this sooner? 
That was Sunday, I'll never forget it. She was eight years old. Next morning, I'm having, uh, six o'clock, I'm having breakfast with my associate pastor planning out the week. And Ken said to me, Pastor Duke, he goes, my son, Tommy, just won two brand new bikes, a girl bike and a boy bike. He said, you don't know anybody could use a brand new girl bike, do you? <laughs> I started to cry. I told him what I just told you. He started to cry. And uh, my daughter gets off the, the, the school bus the very next day. Gets off the bus and her brand new bike. Now, if she was going to buy a bike, it'd be a little $59.95 special. This was $159, super duper, whatever. Way nicer than we'd ever got. And she got off the bus, and she was not the least bit surprised. (laughs) My faith was spreading, it's contagious. Oh, well, that was just a coinkydink. Shut up. Ain't no coinkydink. That's God. And our faith is growing. That same daughter, fast forward 10 years, Leah gets home from a missions trip in, from Mex- Mexico, and she said, Dad, we got to talk. And we got home, it was about 9 o'clock at night, and we had a talk. She goes, Dad, she goes, you got to understand something. She goes, after all I've seen growing up in ministry, Coming back from a third world country, she said, you need to understand, Dad, I will never, ever, ever go into the ministry. My heart sunk. Then she grinned. She was setting me up. And she smiled. And she said, Dad, I'm staying in the ministry. It's all I've ever known. It's all I ever want. I've seen God be awesome my whole life. And she says, I'm in for, for good. And she went off to Word of Life Bible Institute, met her husband, and he's the executive pastor in one of the baby churches we launched many years ago. And her whole life has been in the ministry. It's contagious, preacher. First by the Brook Cherith, and then, then others, and then it goes public. And we have seen his hand upon our church. We did it the old-fashioned way. We came to New York. We didn't have any money. We didn't have any support. Got us a job and trusted God for everything. And God took... Uh, our adversity, God took our, our, our lack, and he used it for his glory. What we didn't have was his opportunity to be a big, great, perfect, precious, on-time, specific God. And we begin to see things go public now. I remember we, our first piece of property, 1.5 acres, 300 foot frontage on farmland, no power, no septic, and uh, no, uh, uh, no water, and it was listed at $13,000, quarter mile to the nearest power pole, half mile, half mile to the nearest power pole, and I had $5,500 in the church account, and I offered the guy $7,500, $7,500, and he said, well, I'll talk with my wife and get back with you. The next day, he calls me, says, Pastor Duke, he goes, I've talked over with my wife. We cannot accept your offer. I said, I understand. I wouldn't accept it either. He said, I do have a counter offer. I said, yes, sir, what is that? He said, 5,000. We offered him 7,500. He said, no, 5,000 will be enough. Amen. Amen. And our little group of 35 people all brand new believers begin to see 
the supernatural. For two hours, I couldn't shut up. Nick was asking me these questions, and we, I didn't shut up for two hours, did I? Story after story after story. I won't tell him about the witch stick to find the water. <laughs> Sorry, preacher. But it worked. <laughs> oh, my. I wish I had time to tell you the faithfulness of God. Perfect timing. My wife's father was dying. Her sister said, get to Detroit tonight if you want to see dad alive. We didn't have the money. She said, we'll pay you back. Just get a ticket, one-way ticket to Detroit. We took $90 of our rent money, flew her to Detroit that Saturday night. He died. She never saw him alive. The next day, I have church. We had an all-time record low attendance, 12. 12. I was so discouraged. I got in a little car. I drove to Detroit by myself. Her sister and brother-in-law never paid us back. They never they pretended like they never made that promise. I come back after his funeral, and my rent is due at noon. It's 11 o'clock. I'm $90 short with my rent. I had bragged to this guy about how big God, you know, my God. When I filled out the paperwork to get the apartment, it said employer. Oh, God. What am I supposed to say, preacher? And so he was kind of a wise guy. He said, so uh, uh, I notice your employer is a God. He says, I need some more information about him. I said, glad to share information about my employer. That's why I'm here. He says, where does he do his banking? I said, anywhere he wants. He owns all the banks. And he pulls out his, his manual. And he, said, he said, you're unemployed, dude. I'm like, well, sort of, but I got a lot of work to do. But yes, I'm unemployed. And he said, according to my book, he said, I can't give you an apartment. Then he does the New York Mafia thing. He looks both ways. But quite frankly, he said, I fear your boss. <laughs> he said, don't ask, don't tell. Here's your apartment. Amen. That wasn't Bill Clinton. That was Spurbush Apartments. So I've been witnessing to this guy for months. Now my rent is due and I don't have the money. I'm $90 short. I get a, the mailman comes, bang, click, we go to the door, we open up, it was a letter from my Sunday school class back home, like seven people in the class. The letter said, Dear Duke and Joel, we knew that you had the baby, our baby had club feet, a lot of medical issues, baby Leah, that's all resolved. And that Joel's daddy died, and we just felt burdened for you, we love you, we took a love offering for you. Anybody want to guess how much the love offering was for? 90 bucks. Quinky dink? No. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro upon the earth, looking for people who are listening. show himself mighty on behalf of those who trust him. You see, you, he touches your heart before he touches your wallet. Amen. And then when we're listening and we're trusting and we're obeying those Pulses, I don't know what he puts on your heart to go to New York and start a church, go to the Northeast and, and, and take a, a baby church and live, give your life. And we surrender to these promptings of the Lord. That's what I'm looking for. 
we surrender to these promptings. God says, ah, <laughs> that wall guy, he's crazy. He thinks I'm big, I'm good, and I love him. I'll show up. And then God begins to roll up his sleeves on behalf of us, on behalf of the church, the churches of Macedonia, to show himself mighty. It would show up because they lived beyond their ability, because they freely were willing, and they first gave themselves to the Lord. And that's what I want to do today. Matter of fact, I've already done it. 5.35 a.m. this morning. I've already done this today. I first gave myself to the Lord. I do it every day. Every day. I first give myself to him. And he puts some crazy wild things on my heart to do sometimes. And I do them. And you fast forward from those early days today. Our buildings, worship center, 750 people. Everything's paid for. Beautiful new office building, original building. It's double the worship center, the office building, our house, which we own. It's not the churches, but God has blessed us. What's our campus worth? $15, $20 million? I don't know. I have no idea. I know one thing. We sure couldn't afford it. Holy cow, we couldn't afford it. But it's there. Parade of miracles. And those who were watching, we knew, this ain't the Duke Meister. This is him. So I want to ask you today to give yourself to him. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Okay. The preacher would like me to do the closing prayer. I want to ask you before I pray, I want to pray specifically for some of you. Anybody here today? Say, Pastor Duke, wow, I'm all kind of new at this and I kind of wasn't really expecting to be here in church and hear a guy from upstate New York and here I am. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, I'm hearing something today beyond just the words of a preacher. I really believe God is speaking to me today. I've never made a commitment to ask Jesus to forgive me my sins, come into my heart and change me from the inside out. But I am so ready for that life change. I would like to receive Christ as my personal Savior to anybody. I've never done that, but I'm ready today. Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Lead you in that prayer, anybody? I've not done that, but I'm ready. Hold it up real high so I can see it, anybody? And then, so I'm trusting we're believers here today. And have you first given yourself to the Lord? Have you ever really done that? As a believer, Lord, I don't want to go halfway. I want to go all the way. I want, I want to live beyond myself. I want to first give myself to the Lord. I've never done that, but today I'm really, I'm, I'm stepping up, Lord. I'm going to, you're talking, I'm listening. You say jump, I'm saying how high. I have never made that real personal commitment to the Lordship of Christ. And I'm kind of living my life, but I'm not seeing the supernatural like a lot of other people seem to do. And God really talked to me about that. Would you raise your hand? I've never really given myself to the Lord. Anybody? I see a hand there in the back. Anybody else? Hold it up just so I can see it. See a hand. And then the rest of us. Let's do it. Let's, maybe even tonight, let's do it. Even now, just do it again. Father, thank you for the gal who raised her hand. Today's the day. 
No more part way. Today it's all the way. We give ourselves to you today like never before. And for all of us, Lord, we want to just get alone and get real and bow. If you're talking, we're listening. We're surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. You're the boss. Direct us as we spend our time. Direct us as we spend uh, and, and invest our money. Direct us as we exercise our, uh, our gifts and abilities. Let us be Christ-centered in everything we do. Let us be church-centered as we live our lives. And Father, we want to see the supernatural, whether it's a pair of uh, prison boots for 30 packs of cigarettes or whether it be a parcel of land for a fraction of its value. Lord, today we give ourselves to you you, you are the boss of all of our time and our talents and our resources. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Are we done? You are dismissed. Great to see you folks today. Lord bless.